One of the greatest events recorded in the New Testament is the ascension of Jesus Christ back to his heavenly Father. This was a pivotal moment in God's plan for humanity. Now Jesus had told his disciples on various occasions that he was going to be going away. Shortly before his death, in John 16, verse 5, he said, But now I am going to my Father who has sent me. And after his resurrection, Jesus met a woman named Mary Magdalene, who was standing outside his empty tomb. Mary was weeping. And she said, I don't know where they put my Lord. Mary thought Jesus was the gardener. But then he spoke her name, Mary. And then he said these words to her. Do not hold on to me, for I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And after Jesus' resurrection, he spent some time with his disciples, and we heard about one of those times last week that Bracken shared with us about Jesus having breakfast with his disciples and also his encounter with Peter. But Jesus spent 40 days with them, and 40 days after his resurrection, this great event, the ascension of Jesus Christ, took place. Luke captures this scene so beautifully and records it in Luke 24, verse 50. When he had led them to a place in the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was still blessing them, he left them and went up into heaven. And then Luke shares with us the reaction of his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. The disciples gazed intently up into the sky as he went from them, and a cloud hid them, him from their sight. Then comes the defining moment. After he went into the heavens, he sat down at the right hand of God. What a moment. What an honor. The only honor that belongs to Jesus Christ. To be seated at the right hand of God, a place of honor, a place of authority. And he sat at the right hand after, Hebrews says, he purified our sins. So God exalted him to his right hand, Lord, read to us. And I want us to think of this. It's symbolic of an accomplished mission. A finished task. Now we watch the astronauts. I do anyway. I watch them get in their spaceships that's created by man, powerful spaceships that take off from Cape Canaveral in Florida. And they send into the heavens. They stay a while. 
he got moved around wherever the gone. Then they descend back to earth, to their home base. And it's there that they share the accomplishment of their mission. Well, Jesus is greater than any one of those. Jesus Christ first descended to the earth, took on human flesh, took on the form of a servant, was made in likeness as of a man, spent three years preaching and teaching and healing, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, was crucified, resurrected, and now he returns up to home base to report on the finished task, his mission is accomplished. Now, Pastor Mike on Good Friday shared with us the purpose of Christ's crucifixion to, as a sacrifice for the sin of the world. Pastor Betty shared on Easter Sunday the purpose of the resurrection, to abolish death, to overcome death, to usher in spiritual life, eternal life. This morning, We've finished with the introduction now. This morning we will focus on the purpose of the ascension. I'm going to share with you two purposes of the ascension. And then I will expand on each of them. First of all, the first purpose of the ascension was to serve as our intercessor. The second, to send the Holy Spirit. So we'll first upon what an intercessor is. An intercessor is one who acts on our behalf. You mean in court of law, you have a lawyer, you have an attorney uh, who sits on behalf of the person being called. Jesus Christ, in his intercessory role, is our advocate. He mediates for us. He intercedes on our behalf. And Hebrews puts it very well when he says, Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was a copy of the true one, but he entered heaven to come into the presence of God now to appear for us. Now, let me just elaborate on this so we understand this passage. <coughs> Before the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, people used to come to a sanctuary or a temple with their sacrifices. They would offer their sacrifices, the priests would take their sacrifices into the holy place, and there he would offer them up on behalf of the people, interceding for them. Once a year, the high priest entered beyond the curtain beyond the veil of the sanctuary temple, into the most holy place to offer sacrifices for his own sins and for the sins of the people. So the writer Hebrews said that was just a copy. That sanctuary temple was just a copy of the true one. Jesus Christ is now the true sanctuary. Jesus Christ is now the true one, not copy. And he has entered into the very presence of God past the curtain, which was torn apart when he tried to just finish, and he opened up direct access into the very presence of God. So now, Christ has entered himself to appear for us in God's presence. 
The last part of Hebrews 7.25, we left out the word inadvertently. Because he lives always to intercede for us. It's ongoing. It's all the time. It's continuous. So now as we explore intercession, Christ's ascension was to be our intercessor. First, to be our Savior. A Savior is one who rescues, one who saves, one who delivers. And Jesus Christ was exalted to his place of honor on the right hand of God to be our Savior. To save us from sin and to deliver us from sin. To forgive us for our sin and to deliver us from the power of sin. So that we can live victoriously. And not only so, but to transform us. Now, as was mentioned in a sermon recently with Pastor Betty, the sacrifices the people brought in the Old Testament only forgave their sins. They did not change the people. They did not transform them. But this is a distinct difference in Christ as our Savior. He not only forgives us, but he transforms us from inside out. He writes his law in our hearts and causes us to follow him, changes our desires, gives us the desire to follow him and to love him. So he transforms us. And that's why Hebrews says he's able to save us completely. That's thorough, my friend. He's able to completely save you, completely forgive you, completely deliver you, and completely transform you. So that you are a new creation. And then, this B, he, is our, he serves as an intercession to pray for us. Now, it's a great source of encouragement to us when someone comes and says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. It gives us support, it makes us feel they care, they're exercising compassion toward us. But I want to tell you, when Jesus Christ is praying for me, that makes all the difference in the world. People's prayers are important. People's prayers support us. But when we know that Jesus in this right hand honor at God's right hand is praying for us, who truly identifies with us, who understands us, who cares about us, who loves us, who accepts us as we are, is praying for us. Hallelujah. Amen. He spoke to Peter in Luke 20 through 31. Simon, I pray for you that your faith won't fail. Jesus is praying for you today. He's praying for you in these times of difficulty that your faith will hold strong in Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. In John 17, Jesus gives us an example of some of the ways he prays for us. I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention two of them. This is how he prays for us. You might want to take time to read that high priestly prayer in John 17 sometime. Two things stand out for me in his praying for us. One is, don't take them from the world. 
but keep them from the evil of the world. Don't take them under here, Lord. You know, sometimes people just want to go away. Just want to be taken out. I want to get out of here. Jesus says, no, don't take them. From <coughs> just keep them from the evil of the world. Preserve them. That's what he's praying for. Preservation. That will be kept in the midst of this world. And then he prays for their unity. Lord, I pray that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Unity. Not the conformity. We're all different. Jesus isn't praying for you to all be alike. He's praying for you to be one in harmony in him. To unite together in love. Love that holds us together. Regardless of our status, regardless of our age, regardless of our occupation, our race, our language, where we live, he prays, may they be one as we are. Now we come to the second reason for the intercession. The first was to serve as our Savior. The second was to send the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to remember, and you do, that the Holy Spirit was active at the beginning of creation. The Holy Spirit breathed on the world, breathed at God's command. And then the Holy Spirit also ministered through prophets and judges in the Old Testament as they proclaimed God's message to the people. And when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove, a symbol of peace, a symbol of purity, a symbol of the acceptance of God as Father. And then when he stood reading the temple, Reading Isaiah 61, verse 1, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to deliver the captive in distress, to open the eyes of the blind, set at liberty people who are bound. But now Jesus is telling us that the Holy Spirit will be available to everyone, not just to Old Testament prophets, and to Old Testament judges, but to all God's people. And so he says to his disciples in John 16, 7, it's for your good that I'm going away. For if I go and run away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, one reason I think he said it was better for him is because when Jesus was here on earth, he's only able to be one place at one time. When he's in Samaria, he couldn't be in Judea. When he's from Jerusalem, he couldn't be in Capernaum. But now, he says, it's going to be better for you because I will be able to be present with you at all times, everywhere, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told the disciples, as Lord read, you wait in Jerusalem until he comes. I want you to wait and so here are the disciples 
along with whoever made up the 120, sitting in an upper room, quietly praying in unity. And suddenly, the sound as a rushing mighty wind filled all the place where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Ten days after the ascension, the Holy Spirit came. And they began to witness to all the nations present. Everyone sitting there in Jerusalem, the hundreds of people heard the gospel in their own language through this great miracle of the Holy Spirit coming. And so one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to convict. When he has come, he will convict or reveal your sin. Now, our responsibility as believers is to share the message of the gospel. To share the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, what he's done for us. It is not our responsibility to convict people. To reveal their sin. To tell them what they need. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He not only convicts and reveals to people their need, their sin, but he shows them that they need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convey, to communicate. He communicates to us a special message. Now, I want you to visualize yourself sitting in your home and you hear a doorbell ring or knock on the door and a courier arrives. And he's got a message for you. So you open this message, delivered especially to you. About a transaction that's been completed that you have agreed to, and it's signed, and it's sealed with a stamp that the transaction is completed. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to communicate with you as a courier the message that you have been forgiven, the message that Jesus has come into your life. The scripture says the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, does he speak out loud? No. Don't be waiting for a voice to audibly speak to you. But there is an inward sense of his presence, that he has come to reside, to live in you. And he gives you the message, you are now a child of God. Wonderful. As you receive Christ as your Savior, believe on him, the message comes from the Holy Spirit. And he also conveys our prayers to the Lord, God. That, that's so encouraging to me. Romans says, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, okay? I don't know how to pray about this. We, we all have time. We don't have to pray about the situation. We don't have what to say. Lord, I don't know what to say right now. Here's a comfort. The Holy Spirit conveys and communicates that prayer to God. He makes intercession for us, for if we can express. 
And get this. He answers because God knows the will of God for his children. And then the third purpose of the Holy Spirit is to guide. I should have put a seed counselor and an often seeds. I like liberation to know. To convict, to convey, to counsel. But God's a good word. When he has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, Jesus served as the guide, as the teacher. The purpose of the teacher is to impart knowledge. Jesus did that. The purpose of the counselor is to listen to people and give them guidance in making the right decision for themselves. Jesus did that. Nicodemus, woman at the well, Zacchaeus, others. But now the Holy Spirit becomes the counselor, the teacher. He guides us into all truth. And Jesus said that he wouldn't speak about himself, he would speak what Jesus had said. So he speaks to us through the scriptures. As we are hearing the scriptures preach, as we are reading the scriptures ourselves, the Holy Spirit guides us into truth, gives us direction, gives us counsel. And so the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict, to convey, and to counsel of God. So I'm grateful this morning. We're all grateful for the ascension of Jesus Christ. Amen. To serve as our Savior. The ascension of Jesus Christ, the purpose to be our intercessor as our Savior to forgive us and to pray for us. And to the second purpose, to send the Holy Spirit to convict, to convey, and to counsel. So I want you to just look now at our reflection. We're just going to be very quiet for a moment. As you reflect on what you need, who you need Jesus to be to you. Do you need him as your intercessor today? Do you need to invite him into your life so the Holy Spirit can minister to you? So let us conclude with reading this reflection. Let us remember the purpose of Jesus ascending to the Father's right hand. To serve as our intercessor and to send the Holy Spirit to live within us.